Hello and welcome to The Woman Who. I'm Clara Ampho. And in this series, I'll be bringing you the remarkable stories of some of the world's most inspirational women. From pioneers of fashion, literature and television to the boldest activists, athletes and campaigners. These are the tales of the fearless. Women who have defied convention, broken boundaries and pushed the limits of what's possible. I'll be taking a deep dive into their lives, reliving their struggles and setbacks, their loves and losses, and how they overcame every obstacle in their path to achieve unimaginable success. These women are the real deal. This is the story of a woman who taught us to cop a feel and got young people to check their breasts. Cancer charity founder, best-selling author and champion for better living, Chris Helenga. On a windy February morning in 2009, Christine sat in the only chair in a consultation room at a clinic in Northampton, surrounded by doctors and nurses. Before she could work out what was going on, the consultant delivered the news that would change her life forever. You have breast cancer. The world turned upside down. She later remembered that moment. I felt like my breath had been sucked out of me. I was sobbing. I felt nauseous. I felt faint. I wasn't really there. I was there physically, but somehow I was watching it all happen from outside of my body. I felt like a surveillance camera hanging from the corner of the room, capturing a life being shattered. Although she had noticed the pain, discharge and unusual lump in her breast for years, this was not the diagnosis she had expected. After all, she was only 23 years old and when she'd brought up her concerns with her regular doctor seven months before, she'd been told it was probably hormonal and caused by her birth control. She had to fight for a referral to Northampton's hospital's breast clinic. Just a week after the diagnosis, the news would get even worse. The pain she'd been feeling in her back since vomiting in the toilet on a drunken night in Beijing was more than a twinge. It was also cancer. It meant that the cancer had already spread from her breast to the rest of her body. It was incurable. What if Chris had known sooner that the symptoms she'd been experiencing were signs of breast cancer? What if her first doctor had taken those signs seriously too? These questions plagued Chris and set her on a new life path. Before the diagnosis, she'd been a bit directionless, enjoying traveling the world, but not sure what to do with herself. And like her twin sister, Marin, she didn't know what to do with her life. She was distracted by underwhelming ex-boyfriends and down on herself. Now, though, Chris has a purpose, saving others from her own fate. She started with a blog, a place for Chris to update friends and family on her treatments and progress. But soon, total strangers were emailing Chris with their own stories and asking her questions. She realised the immense power of talking openly about her terminal diagnosis. She later wrote about the feeling. 
I was suddenly so fixated on creating something that could help others. Maybe, potentially, I mean, who knows? Perhaps not end up in the same sticky spot as me. A place where they're not told their cancer can't be cured because it was found too late. Chris realised she had nothing to lose. The horror of her diagnosis opened up a new possibility. It created a fearlessness that made me almost untouchable, she wrote. I allowed myself this thought. Perhaps survival means more than not dying. And Chris had another weapon in her arsenal, friends and family who wanted to help. After finishing her first round of chemotherapy sessions, she gathered them at her mum's house to brainstorm. How could they create a new campaign that would encourage people, especially young people, to check their breasts for early signs of cancer? Chris had a cheeky idea for a name, Copperfield. The friends could take a less than savoury term associated with groping and turn it into something memorable and useful. Chris and her friends didn't know how to run a campaign, but as Chris explained, what we lacked in experience and physical means, we made up for in sublime naivety and persuasive email writing. They decided to rent a booth at a music festival, complete with t-shirts and posters to talk to people about why they should check their chests. They offered face painting in exchange for donations and a listening ear. Word spread around the festival and to Chris's surprise and delight, her little booth was attracting a lot of attention. Bands shouted her out from the festival stage and donations poured in. Not only was it a brilliant start to a new charity, it was really, really fun. She felt happy and complete. Copperfield was off to a roaring start. The gang travelled to festivals all over the country, even as Chris was suffering from the side effects of chemotherapy. Sometimes all she could do was lie in the back of a van while her friends were at the festival booth. What she didn't know was that her family had done something else to promote Chris and her cause. They had nominated her for a Pride of Britain award. She won and was invited to a huge, star-studded and televised awards ceremony. Chris felt a twinge of imposter syndrome. After all, she felt she hadn't done much more than start a blog and hang out at some festivals. But the Pride of Britain Awards would launch Copperfield into the next level. As the nation watched Chris receive her award from Baby and Scary Spice on primetime television, she received a flood of messages, including notes from people who said they would be fundraising for Copperfield. Chris even received an invitation to 10 Downing Street with 10 of her mates for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. With the help of the Prime Minister's wife, Sarah Brown, Copperfield became an official registered charity. This was a really important milestone that filled Chris with hope and joy for the future. Less than a year after Chris learned of her diagnosis, she received an email that proved how important all her hard work had been and that it was already paying off. It came from a 26-year-old woman named Jenny, who had read an article by Chris. She too had been dismissed by her doctor after finding something unusual in her chest, 
she was told she was too young to really be a risk. But with Chris's article in hand, she went back to the doctor and demanded to be taken seriously. It turned out it was cancer, but she had managed to catch it early and it hadn't had time to progress. She would be okay. Chris felt more motivated than ever to pour everything she had into Copperfield. She threw herself into the work full-time alongside her twin sister and a friend. They found free office space in London where they planned events and eye-catching campaigns. The charity grew and so did their impact. With more and more staff and even bigger projects, Copperfield became one of the most recognised cancer charities in the country. Today, the Copperfield website features guides for how to check your boobs or pecs. You can sign up for text reminders to do regular checks or order a free sticker for your shower. Thanks to their lobbying, cancer education is now on the school curriculum. After seven years at the helm, Chris is no longer the charity CEO. But what she founded has continued to thrive and carry on her vision. She managed to build something that could go on without her. Though she still works with Copperfield and on public campaigns, it was time for her to move to Cornwall and enjoy life by the beach with her twin sister and her nephew. It's been 13 years now since Chris received her diagnosis. She's blown well past the life expectancy of those with secondary breast cancer. She is not and will never be totally in the all clear and has had to chase the cancer around her body as it has spread to her pelvis, hips, liver and brain. But she has also taken control of her treatment plans, switched doctors when she's needed to and continued to live a full and adventurous life. She has combined traditional and cutting-edge treatments with a more holistic, whole-body approach to healing. She knows the healing power of living well. She also knows that someday she will die of this disease. But as she wrote in her Sunday Times best-selling memoir, Glittering a Turd, a good death starts with understanding that it's possible to have a full and meaningful good life. I hope no one will say I have lost my battle, she wrote. To say I have lost anything would undo all my hard work building and sustaining a life that I loved and valued and squeezed all the goodness out of. I would like to think that people have witnessed that I live with greater authenticity, candour and gratitude, that I have cultivated a true lust for life. The Woman Who podcast series has been brought to you by Fennec, the UK's department store of distinction since 1882. Tune in each week to uncover the story of a new inspirational woman and head to fennec.co.uk for more information. If you've been enjoying Fennec stories of inspiring women, please don't forget to subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast app. Why not share it too, as it helps other people to hear about it. The Woman Who is a Radio Wolfgang production 
Written by Hannah Jewell and read by me, Clara Anfo. The producer is Cass Denton. Sound design is by Ivor Manley. And the executive producer is Ellie Martino. Hold up. 